look, man, I'm just along for the ride on this one. You know, you preaching to the choir here. The First Class Idiot Podcast starts now. Let's go. All right. And we're live. Man, we're live. First Class Idiot's live. You don't, you know <laughs> what it is, baby. Let's go. I got a first question. Well, yeah, we can get into the questions, but today it's, today's a special episode, though. Last couple episodes have been special. We got this guest on today. We met him at the winery comedy club we got adam minnick hey, what's going on man not much cut my finger off that's what i did I almost cut my, i was telling you i almost cut my finger off because i saw my dad modified it i was saying it's like the ring finger so if i had cut it off it would have been like john wick like you've been to go single the table and they <laughs> you've been single baby god man it's just awful it, yeah but that's what's up i'm trying to do home improvement and i almost cut my finger off so that there that's why I shouldn't be doing home home improvement. Yeah, that's why I don't do it, man. I just let my home improve itself with time, Same you know, I let it age. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Dilapidated is not a good, good look. Sorry, man. This is usually more professional. Me. I don't know what's what's going on right now with all this equipment. We are experiencing technical difficulties. Please stand by. So this is, this is going to cool. be a big one. And yeah, I don't know if you want to tell them a little bit about yourself. I mean, I have a few notes. You did a set for the Huckabee show, which was pretty cool. I listened to that. And I the driver special yeah. that you have up. Yeah, um, the driver was cool. I filmed that over two years. Uh, I've been It's probably going close to three years now since I did that. Um, yeah, I did Huckabee. I've done Huckabee. I've been a warm-up back for the Huckabee crowd, uh, the show, twice. I'm going back this August for a third time. Um, but uh, driver was great. I I tell you, you know, when I got the date, they gave me the date to go out and record. Uh, I think I had three or four months to prepare. And I was like, all right, well, they said, okay, you have 25 minutes. Um, they started, they, driver used to start out where you're doing 45 minute sets, and then they cut it down to 20 to 25. Um, I think they could get more comics in by doing that. And it's got to be a completely clean set. Uh, you film in Provo, Utah, which is a really cool college. It's where BYU is. It's a cool college town. And it's a dry bar. And the reason why, one reason why I call it dry bar is because there's no alcohol. So I'm used to doing comedy clubs where there's alcohol. There's no alcohol. It's they have uh, soda, they have pop, and candy. That makes it harder, doesn't it? You know what? But here's the thing. Like, yes and no. It depends on what, you, what you're doing. Um for clean comedy, like what I do, like I working to a sober crowd is great. Uh, but yeah, alcohol does. It helps loosen people up for a show. But with dry bar, people come out to that knowing what they're going to get. They, they're here just they're here for clean comedy. Um, so I. Yes, intentions are here. So I had three or four minutes, uh, three or four months to prepare. And it was every time I could get everywhere I could get 20 to 25 minutes even, or 10 minutes or 15 minutes just to do my set um, to make sure I had it down and I don't forget anything. Um, so I did that over and over. And then the night of the, the day of the recording, the night of the recording, um, there's so much leading up to it. There's four months of anxiety and stress. And uh in doubt you know, like you go and do a set somewhere and it doesn't go well like well what am i doing doing dry bar my, my set's gonna suck um but it, it's comedy like perfect for comedians yeah in comedy is is just you're gonna have bad nights and um and that's part of the best part of comedy you're, not, you're never gonna have great shows every night 
So leading up to it, and then I, I did my, you do two sets that night. The first set was great. The first show was great. But then as soon as that was over and I went back to the green room, uh, I was exhausted. I was, I was worn out, exhausted, um, relieved, relieved it was over. Like I, I had a blast doing it, but you just want to get that first show out of the way. You, you want it to go well. Uh, and now I did the second show and I was, I was pretty tired for the second show. Um, but it was a good show. It was good. I mean, it was a, it was a really cool experience. And then I got home cause you could watch it live, paid money. You could watch it live that, that you know, that oh, night. Nice. And then my wife, you know, she, she's very critical of my act. She's, she's pretty straight up honest, which is what I appreciate. I need someone who is just blunt with me. And, uh, I get, I check my text messages after recorded. And she goes, oh, it's a great set. You look, you look comfortable. It went well. It, it, it's such a great, you know, good job. And then I get home the next day, and she goes, "Do you want to watch it?" I'm like, "Oh no!" Because in my mind, I have to still, Hell no. I have to enjoy it still. Because you know, um, it's a comics thing. Is a that you just rip apart your act, even though it was great. You'll find bits and pieces that you weren't happy with. And then six months later, they sent me my copy to watch to make sure everything was okay, and then asked me the name of the special. And I said, here it is. Everything looks great. Go ahead and release it. And then it took about a year and a half for it to come out. And so you're like, during the whole process, you're like, is it going to come out? Is, is something going to happen? Are they going to, because there's guys that film and it never gets put out. It never records. One guy we taped with, there's three of us that night. One guy, they never, his first special, they never released it. Uh, it was considered too weird. Really? Why and not? that has to hurt. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, but that's comedy. I mean, they decide, they filter it out, what goes in and what goes yeah. out. So you go, you go out film and have a great set, but there's always to a risk of them canceling, like not putting it out. So once it came out, once it gave me my release date, I was I was relieved. I was like, all right, it's good to go. Um, and then I watched it and I was like, man, I don't like half, I don't like half the stuff I do on there. I don't do it anymore because um, you get, you get as you do it, the longer you do this, the better you get doing comedy. You know, better the jokes get better, the better quality, better stories. Um, yeah. Better rhythm, time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. How long did you say you've been doing this for? Uh, over 20 years. So Since we were in diapies. Yeah. <laughs> You're living our dream, man. I'm like That's 85 so cool. years I mean, old. So. <laughs> <laughs> in, in comedy years. Ugh, no. <laughs> Is the dry bar the biggest crowd you've done since? Or or. Because I saw you, you as Zionese, you performed, you performed at some big clubs. Yeah, so Dry Bar was, actually was not. That's one of the smaller clubs because when I filmed, I filmed during COVID. So if you watch my special and specials around that date that recorded, you're they're not even half full because of the quarantine and the spacing and the mask mandate. Uh, you watch them before and after the COVID quarantine, all that stuff with spacing and they're full rooms. I mean, they're, they're packed in there and that's what you want. That's what you want in comedy. You want packed rooms. Some of the best comedy clubs are like the smaller rooms. The kill boxes. Was that? I said the kill boxes. Yeah. And so I did, I've done improv that fit. I think the most people they can fit is like five or 600 people. Um, I did, I think I did one in front of 500 people. Um, I mean, so you get some big rooms, uh, but I to, personally, I prefer like the small comedy clubs, the small intimate rooms. Um, uh, yeah, so that's kind of like this, but the biggest room, five or 600 people I performed in front of, and I'm, I performed in front of 10 people. <laughs> so 
So I'm guessing with the smaller rooms, you know, do you like that better because it's more personal? You know, it's it's a it little is. more intimate, right? When it's you're intimate, there. yeah. People are small rooms. People are packed in there. They're um, yeah. When people are are sitting close together, uh, laughter is um, is contagious. You know, Zaney's Comedy Club, which is one of my favorite clubs uh, in Chicago, is is very it's legendary. A lot of greats have come through there, and uh, it's very narrow, but a long room it's a deep room but narrow and people are packed in there if you ever watch zanies like they'll show clips um you can see like they'll even have from a camera from behind the comic into the audience you can see how close people are packed in and it's it's fantastic i love the rooms where people are packed in there it's fun do you have a favorite room that you go to or a favorite club in any state the one where if you're booked you're like this is nice this is what i wanted uh, I love the Funny Bone here in Cincinnati. Uh, I love doing that room. Uh, it's usually a, it's nine times out of ten, it's gonna be a great show. Um, the uh, let's see, I did one up in Lima called the, the Lab, and that's actually a really cool room. They had seventy five people and it was sold out. So it was, I mean, people are packed in there. That's nice, great room. Uh, I did yeah. a club in Portland, Oregon called Harvey's Comic Club, and that was a. I, I tell you right now, like I'm always. You know, you, you hear these stories about like the the very liberal cities and people are um, offended by a lot of stuff. Uh, Portland, Oregon, it was probably one of the best, some of the best audiences I've ever performed in front of. Um, I did uh, I did a club in Stockholm, Sweden, and that was it was a Sunday night show. It was standing room only. I mean, it was pretty much full, and uh, that they got everything. And I wasn't sure what to do because I'm I'm headlining it and I have my Fitbit on and. The, the four comics ahead of me are all doing jokes in Swedish. And I'm like, what am I going to do? So I talked to the booker, the manager. I'm like, hey, what do I do? I don't know Swedish. He goes, I'll oh, just do what you, just do your thing. And I went up and, but like, I checked my Fitbit, my heartbeat, the rate. And it was, I was running a marathon. That's how fast my heart, heart was racing. Uh, I was so nervous. Um, but it ended up being like one of the best shows I ever had. Like it was, they, they got everything. It's because they, they have to know English. And they all watch Comedy Central. They all understand American humor. Yeah. That's what I heard too, that they all they all understand that. And they enjoy the self-deprecating stuff. They enjoy the they enjoy the mean stuff, the deprecating stuff, the um making fun of yourself, making fun of things. Like they they don't get offended. Um like some some people do here. What here you mean in Toledo? I would I would prefer offended. <laughs> um no, pretty much anywhere. You'll get people who get offended over you know, I did my in Philadelphia. I did that bit about how, like the um, uh, my wife, you know, my wife came home first day off of maternity leave, and she she was crying, and she wanted me to hold her, and I just ignored her. And she came up to me an hour later. She's like, she's like, you know, I was upset, crying, need to be held and comforted, and you just ignored me. I'm like, yeah. She said, you should you should have held me. I'm like, yes, I could have done those things, but remember last night when Sebastian was crying in his crib, you told me to ignore him. He'll figure it out. And like Philadelphia <laughs> did not like that joke. And I called my wife about it and she's like, they probably think it misogynistic. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. I've heard I've heard Philly's Philly's very, very left 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 I mean left leaning. You would think they'd be a yeah. little tougher, man. They got the whole Rocky statue there, people are running up every single day. <laughs> you know you what I mean? So. You would think so. You would think that be a little tougher. But the comedy scene in Philly I heard is very, very left. Like very left nerdy comedy, kind of. Yeah, you have to be nice. Um, yeah, there's a famous clip of Bill Burr screaming at the audiences in, in Philadelphia. He was doing, I think he was in a club yeah, or a stadium. A famous clip, yeah. It's very famous. And uh, your Eagles suck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
All right. So let me ask you this. What, cause you said you were a teacher prior to comedy, right? Yeah. That was your career. Mm-hmm. What made you want to do comedy? Was it stuff that happened in school that you thought was funny? And or like, what subject did you teach? I, I taught, um, you know, my, my material, I talk about being a preschool teacher, kindergarten teacher, and I never taught those grades. I taught uh, four through six, and sometimes I taught seven and eight. And, uh, and I had been doing comedy uh, while I was teaching, too. Like, I would, I would, this is before I was married, and I would be, I would do, I'd work Monday to Friday, or sometimes if a club needed me there Thursday night, I would do Monday to Thursday. So I would immediately uh, get in a car right at three o'clock when school's out and then drive five hours to Chicago or wherever I was going and, uh, and then get up on stage and do my set. Um, so I, I got out of it just because um, I was, I was doing enough, I was booked enough, enough shows. And then, um, and with that, with having a baby boy now, like I want to be home with them during the day. And my wife is uh, totally supportive of that. So um, I love being at home with them during the day. Um, uh, so I, I think I, I feel like I've got the best of both worlds. I can be with them during the day and then I'm off doing comedy at night. Well, were you ever scared when you were in school that somebody might hear your set? You got somebody that knows you there <laughs> going back to the school? Uh, you know, students... It works clean, though. Students look my stuff up and they, they go, oh, Mr. Minnick, like, I know. I, I'm not worried. I'm not worried because it's, it's clean stuff. It's, it's clean material. So I'm not... Cause I, you know, I've, I, I used, I wrote clean and then I got even cleaner because I would, I would be doing, I would headline these rooms in Minneapolis and Indianapolis and they advertise it as a family clean show. And then people would bring their children to the show, which is a very bizarre. And then the parents don't feel like they can relax because they, they hung out, they, they're afraid I'm going to say something. They have to explain to the child what, what this meant. Um, and my stuff's not like that. But you guys were at the Urban Pine Winery. Uh, someone brought their daughter. Like, they had a couple little girls there. Like, what are you What are you doing? I didn't even see them. Yeah. Especially at a winery, man. <laughs> yeah. Those are what it. we call idiots. I see it because, you know, when you look, before you do a show, you, you look at the audience and see, like, what you're working with. Um, just kind of like what I do, just trying to, you know, uh, see what, what I'm up against, if there's um anything. So I like the two, uh, the, the two black guy jokes because there's two black guys in the winery and i know i i noticed that too and you're like oh the diversity is not too uh rampant here is it that's and then you're like we got one one and one one guy in the bag and then the guy on the side of the bar raised his hands too and you're like oh i guess too <laughs> yeah and there's a hispanic he's like too. don't leave there's me a, out there's a, there's a mexican there too it's actually the mexican is a friend of mine um yeah it, it, i love doing that when you go to rooms uh, go to clubs and and like and and the audience is mostly white and you find one minority in the crowd and you just you just use that against the crowd like oh it's good to see you have diversity you let one guy in like <laughs> couple <laughs> couple brothers in here <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah that's great well let me ask you this growing up who who was your favorite comedian who was, was somebody that, that you saw that you were like that's my guy since you work clean did well. Yeah, like, since you work clean, do you have a favorite clean comedian too? You know, I I always go to this. I Seinfeld is always my favorite. I I was a fan of Seinfeld. Yeah, I knew it. I loved his material before he had the show. Like I remember, and, and his, I didn't really know much of it. Um, because growing up, I I didn't know much. I didn't know anything about comedy clubs. There was, I didn't live near a comedy club. So, um, I I think my mom bought me a, a it was a Saturday Night Live when Jerry Seinfeld hosted. Uh, that weekend 
And I still have the VHS tape. That's how I ordered the VHS tape, you know. Really? And uh, I watched it. I loved it. I loved That's his. A right there. I know. That's how old I am. VHS. Uh, I loved how he could take something, just just everyday stuff, and make make it funny. Just it, it, it's very. He's dissecting the smallest thing, like just your everyday life, and I love that. And then um, other comics I loved watching was Victor Borga, and you guys have probably never heard of him. Uh, he's a Danish. He's from Denmark. He's a pianist, and he's also a comedian. Uh, all his videos, most of them are black and white. That's how old it is. There is some color, but it's like when color wow. was first being introduced <laughs> in the video. And he has, you have to look it up. Um, if Message me if you can't find it. Um, he does sound effects for grammar, for punctuation. And he'll read these romance novels and have these goofy sound effects for the punctuation. And it's one of the smartest bits I've ever seen. I love that bit. Um, other guys I love, like David Spade, Norm MacDonald, um, Kathleen Madigan, she's amazing. Um, I'm, I'm missing some other ones, but um, but those are my main, Seinfeld's my main guy. But, but I also love Bill Burr, Daniel Tosh, um, all those guys are great. I like all types of comedy, not just clean. I listen to anything. I lo- you know, Anthony Jeselnik, who's fantastic, but he's so dark. And to me, he's like the yeah. best at um, <laughs> redirection of a joke. You know, you think he's gone one way and he's like, oh, he took this way. So, yeah. And his stage presence is nice, too, man. He just looks like a mean guy up there no matter what, you know, he, even when he's killing it, he's just like. I've actually it, watched a thing, uh, well, an interview with him. And he said, actually, when I got on stage, I wasn't even planning on doing stuff like that. Um, <laughs> the audience hated me. And oh, I sure. said, and I kind of <laughs> made I got, yeah, he said I, I made a mental note and I was like, well, if you guys hate me, I'm just going to make the most disgusting jokes I possibly can just to yeah. get the reaction and it own worked, it. you know? Own it, you know? It's, it's going yeah. to confident, own it, yeah. you know? Because if you're not confident, audiences know. Um, oh, they smell it on you like... They smell fear. Shark, you know, shark I, in the water. I yeah. go up confident, but I'm still nervous as hell because I'm like, okay, I want to make sure I remember everything. I want to make sure I these people laugh at these jokes, you know, because they're nice. You do shows. I mean, you do a weekend, you do six shows, and five of them go great, and then one just nothing. You can't. Like at that winery show, there was a couple in the front row, and the husband didn't laugh at anything. He just stared the yeah, whole time. Yeah. His wife was a little bit better. I was watching him. He did not enjoy it. It looked like she was scared to laugh. She <laughs> covering her mouth at jokes, or she would look away. And it's like, it's like she really seemed a little. She got hit when laugh. she got home. Yeah. <laughs> Man, he was so serious. But I love that you called him out, though. That was funny. Oh, good. Oh, thank you. <laughs> did he laugh at that? When you called him no. out, I, I love seeing when he just looked no. like he was not impressed. He's like, "Yeah, I've seen better. This, this is nothing." Whatever. Yeah. You're like, "No, you, I don't think you've laughed in your life." He's like, "Are you gonna smash <laughs> yeah. some watermelons? Like, come on, I'm looking for Gallagher. Yeah. He died. Gallagher's yeah, dead, Gallagher." So. <laughs> <laughs> well, honestly, when I walked into the winery, I I was like, I don't know if I don't know what I'm walking myself into. You know, being Mexican, I saw the way everybody was dressed. I was like, man, I don't even know what kind of comedy show this is going to be. You know? <laughs> and then when you guys came up, I'm like, all right, cool. It's just the crowd. It's not me. No, no, you're cute. No, that, yeah, man. that winery is all upscale. It's a nice winery. I definitely didn't, didn't. Yeah, it's a, 
Yeah, it's a winery. You know, when we booked that, uh, when we booked that, the owner's like, I don't, I don't know if it's gonna go well. Like, let's do a Monday night. We were closed. We can open it just for them. Like, trust me, it's gonna be fine. And then we had eighty people. It's so like, yeah, we're. She's like, yeah, we want to do more shows. I'm like, all right, cool. It's a packed room, but not a third, not a Monday night next. Would time. you do more shows? Like, yeah. Yeah, Monday night was too, too goofy. That's the thing. It's a Monday night too. People go out. I was amazed that we had eighty people. Um. But, yeah, you know, people, Thursday night would well, be nice. Thursday night would be good. Yeah, I'm gonna go see Sam Mor- Morel uh, on a Monday night. He has a show at the Funny Bone. Oh, Sam! I, I was surprised that he was. Just, You're gonna love especially Sam. Especially be he's touring right now. I, this is my first time seeing him. Yeah, I, have you met him? Have you met any of these comedians? I haven't yeah. met the Sam top, Morel. I've met Daniel Tosh. Oh yeah, Tosh is a he's actually have. really yeah. nice. He's a nice guy. He's a nice guy. He um, I I met him before I got. He's down to earth. You can tell. But he's very ADHD, though. Uh, down here at the <laughs> Cincinnati Funny Bone, I met him. Oh, really? I, went, I just went by myself to see a show, and I was like, this guy's, this guy's hilarious. He's fantastic. And uh, I waited afterwards to meet him, and he was really cool. He sat down. We talked. Um, I, uh, I hung, out with, uh, hung out with Dave Chappelle after the show. Um, There's no way. Yeah, really? I was working with Mike Epps at the Dayton Funny Bone. And Mike yeah, like, hey, Mike why don't you meet a buddy of mine? <laughs> um, he came out. This is Dave. I'm like... <laughs> I know who this is. And Dave was cool. Dude. And like, uh, <laughs> yeah. Dave's like, yeah, you had a good set. I'm like, oh, thanks. Uh, I'm nobody, but thanks. And uh, we were just talking. I, he's asking me about traveling overseas. I'm asking him about like writing. And then he's like, hey, let's go grab a drink uh, across. The, this is Dayton Funny Bone. So there used to be a restaurant across the shopping area, just like a little patch of grass. And then there's like a bar in that. And we went over there because I'm with Dave the whole time. I constantly had two drinks in my hand. And the people were just handing me drinks. Um, and then he's like, look, half a Dayton's here. Let's just go down the bar of Louis. They're closed, but they'll let us in. So I just, we walked down the bar of Louis, sat at the bar. And uh, and we talked. We hung out. Nicest guy. That is, that's that's wild, man. It's, so is, is Dave Chappelle like the top guy you've met? He'd probably be the, the for me, the greatest comic. He probably is the only. Greatest comic I've ever met. So, um Cool guy, just nicest guy, just very down to earth, just took his time. He didn't have to hang out with me, but then he's like, you got a place to stay. I'm like, yeah, they put me up. He's like, well, if you need a place to stay, tell us when the hotel is like a Marriott. Tell them that I sent you, they'll put you up for free. So, um, <laughs> damn, cool guy. Wow. Yeah. You know, you know, dude, once, once you blow up and you're all over the world, that story you're telling, that's the story we're going to be telling about you. It's like, yeah, we were, we, we did a Zoom call with Adam. He's a cool guy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he called us gay. Yeah, multiple <laughs> times I had to bleep that out. I mean, yeah, but, <laughs> but That'd be awesome. I I did want uh, to add on to the last question I asked you about what got you into comedy. Do you remember the moment where you heard a joke from any comedian that just made you go like, "Wow, that's that's smart," or like just threw you off just how, from how good it was, and that's what triggered the comedy. That's clever. Yeah, Norm Macdonald had this bit. You can. It's an old old clip of. Um, they would do these, these, I found the box set at Best Buy, but I had heard this bit before that. Um, he goes, I saw, saw a homeless guy with a dog. Dog probably thinks uh, this is the longest walk in the world. <laughs> like, hey, buddy, I can do this on my own. Like, it's such a great joke. Um, I'm like, man, I heard it. And that's probably one of the earliest jokes I've ever heard. I thought it was just fantastic. And before that would have been, I guess I would say Victor Borga with that, the you know, the punctuation sound effects. I think that's one of the earlier jokes I've ever heard in my life, just because my my parents enjoyed it. 
Um, and so I would like happen to watch it when my, my parents were watching it. Um, and like Davis Bay's got this bit, you know, his latest, one of his latest specials. Say David Spade? Love David Spade. I think he, he's in my top, as far as comics, he's in my, in my top five. But he had this joke about how he used to live in this uh, studio apartment and it had a, 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 bed, a bed that hung, you know, a waft bed, whatever. And the landlord goes, uh, hey, I don't want more than 500 pounds up there. And David's like, trust me, I don't want more than 500 pounds up there. <laughs> Wait, give me one second. Dude, I, I need that. Sorry, we got the third guy, Sergio. Dude. Sergio. Yeah, come say hi, Sergio. Yeah, come, come, come say hi. <laughs> this is the third guy of the First Guy City He's such a hottie. This is the, he has the looks. <laughs> this is our model. Sergio. You guys are also pixelated. Oh, he's just way. back there. I'm just taking photos. Do we? Yeah, you're very pixelated. Yeah. So we look, but yeah, so so do you. But the way Riverside records, everything will be HD afterwards. Oh, as okay. long as you can hear is good. Okay, I just thought you had some massive good. burns yeah. on yeah, the Yeah, that's why I like Riverside. It's, it's made for podcasters. <laughs> uh, we are actually burn victims. Yeah, and that's not funny, dude. No, I'm kidding. I have been burned once but by a girl. But oh. what I was going to ask you, <laughs> you're right. No, I'm just kidding. You're, guy. Your, your writing process. How long did it take you to figure out your style when you're writing? Like, do you write every day or when you get random thoughts, do you get your voice memo out? What I is sh- that like? If you don't mind I try to write every day if I can. Um, it's hard with my schedule. If I, I, I used to go to a coffee shop and write, like I had to get out of the house, but now with my having a kid and I, it's, it's, it's a little more difficult. Um, Cause I take go to a coffee shop. He's not going to sit still. So when I write is like, usually when I go to bed, uh, I'll sit up and write, you know, a half hour, sometimes an hour, um, before I go to sleep. Um, so when I have an idea that pops in my head, if I'm driving, I'll do a voice recording on my phone. Um, if I, once I stop the red light, I'll type in like my notepad, like an idea. And then when I go to an open mic, I'll sit and write it out. If I, if I didn't write it out before I'll sit and write it out. Um, so that's kind of my process. When I first started doing comedy, it took me in my first night I did comedy. I, I bombed horribly. Um, I did. They said, yeah, five minutes. I think I did three. I, it was so bad. I heard like, I think I heard a fork fall in the back of the comedy club. It was that like, I heard like, it, it, it's, it's really bad when you hear the air conditioning system pop, you know, you know, turn on. Yeah. I mean, it's bad. And, uh, and people just looking at you from the audience, like what, how are you doing? You suck. And then, I felt awful about myself. Felt like the worst. But it's it's a mental. It is a it, it fucks with your mind. It because you then you think you're the worst person once you bomb. And but but you, this is the thing when you or first, you just think you're not funny, right? You, yeah, you think I, I can't do this. What am I doing? Even even now, if I have a bad show, I'm like, what what the hell am I doing? I've had I've had a weekend a gig where I've done four shows and and they've all bombed, all bad shows. Um, and, and then you like you start doubting yourself. So. I, I finished my set. I went to the back of the room, put my head down on the table, and I thought I was the worst person. Like I, I woke up the next day and I, I absolutely loved it. As much as I bombed, I was already hooked. And so, like, I, I need to write a joke that works. And um, yeah, well, it took me, you- it took me about a year and a, a year, about a year, a year and a half to get my first joke that actually a really solid joke. And I was like, I got to get two jokes. And so I started. It still took me a while to figure out how to write a joke. And it. There's no school for this. There's no college to be a comedian. It's just trial and error. There's a lot of failure in comedy. Even still to this day, like I think Seinfeld said, you write 10 jokes, two of them will work. Like if, if, you, if you're honest with it, you know, 
What was your first joke? Do you remember? That that was your solid first one. <sighs> oh shit! I don't. I don't. I couldn't remember that. What that joke was? Because I probably don't do it anymore. It's a good chance. Because <laughs> I have better stuff now. But the the Jewish one is one of my earlier jokes. How people think I look like I'm Jewish. Um, that it, was a good one. That was the I, one I really I love liked. It. And that joke always does well. And, and it's funny because that joke used to tell me. I, that used to be my beginner joke, that, my first joke of the set. And that would always tell me how the audience is going to be. It was the cra- is the strangest thing, but that was, my, that was like the litmus test. That was a thing that told me, is this crowd good or not? Um, yeah. I got bored of doing that. I got, ter- I got sick of doing that joke as my first joke. So then I, I, you move it down, you put some new stuff up front, and then you try to just try to change it around, make it interesting for me when I'm up there because it's, it's you, you do those jokes over and over, you get bored of them. Um, uh, so it probably took me a I'll good I'll tell year. you what, that, that Jewish, that Jewish joke was that it's a good feeler, but it, it's a good warm, welcoming open. Like when I heard that, I was like, all right, this guy, this guy's all right. Cause you look so Jewish. You look, un, you look unbelievably Jewish. And you said, I have that look. Oh, I forgot what you, I go, how yeah, many people here think I'm how many people here think I'm Jewish? Like and but, I was like, woo! <laughs> but here's the thing with that, you wanna like in comedy, it used to be a longer joke that is like how I think originally was like, hey, how many people here think I look like I could be Jewish? So like there's like four or five words in there you could cut out. And it's like in, in comedy and writing, it's like you cut the fat. Like you want to cut out the words you don't need. So it's basically how many people think I'm Jewish? Like it's quick to the point, get the laugh. And you know, when you do comedy, your beginning of the set, you need to have quick jokes to get people hooked. And then you can go, as my set goes, the jokes get a little bit longer and longer and longer. I can, towards the end, I can do more story form. Um, but that's kind of like, and that's, those are things you learn as you do comedy. And then you work up on the comics, they kind of give you ideas, like this is, this is where this should go. Um, I'm writing a new one right now. Uh, I don't know how it's going to go. Uh, I, I, I think I did a one open mic and it got a good reception, but that could just be, and there are jokes you write that it's a brand new joke. You do it the first time. It, it does great. And then you do it again. It never works again. It's the weirdest thing. So the, the joke is this, like how there was a, our, our church told us about this African family that came from their refugees and they came from war torn part of Africa. And, uh, they were living in this house and they needed someone to buy, just pick up food for them. I like that. Like, you know, I want to go a step above because, you know, my grandparents went to the Holocaust. Um, they suffered. I understand families in need, you know, it come from uh, the refugees. And so my wife and I go over, we, we basically bust in, cook for them. And I take the father out like three or four times a week. And after like a month, I realized that this guy is probably like, when does the suffering end? This white guy keeps showing up and taking me places. I don't want to go anywhere. This guy just keeps taking me places. So I don't know if it's a yeah. joke or not. I mean, you're, you're laughing, you're being nice. I don't know if it's good or not, but... Um, I think no, I th- he's my husband now. <laughs> so these poor people have been through so much and there's us like barging in, making dinner for him and, and taking the dad places. He has no idea if he's going to come home that night. <laughs> Yeah, this new guy taking over again. It'd, it'd be funny guy. if you're like, "How do you so? How, um, how do you like America now?" And he's like, "Well, I'd rather go back." <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> See, that's funny. <laughs> well, I'd, I'm, I'm probably gonna use that. What now. is everybody here doing with all these sandals? <laughs> um, so I've been trying to work on my African accent. Too. <laughs> sound like you're from uh, Wakanda. That's what you sound like. Are you T'Challa? Oh yeah, 
I'll take that. <laughs> so, so that's kind of like you just that's and I always say like musicians have it easier than comedians because you turn on serious radio and there are guys doing cover songs and they're on the radio. You can't do that in comedy. That's theft. You can't do cover jokes. You're 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 a joke thief if you do that. <laughs> yeah, but isn't that hard to do? Because everybody's. I mean, some premises are so. You know, they're out there and everybody's pretty much in the same premise, but a little bit different. Wouldn't that be just like sampling a joke? You know, there's you never, take a premise because no we all go through the same thing, kind of. I believe there's no more original jokes, uh, but there are different takes to a premise. Um, you know, every, you know, I'm not the only comic who talks about his wife on stage, but I have different stories than the next guy does. Um, you know, all these things. So it's I'm your doing. personal stories that make you unique compared yeah. to the other ones. Yeah. Not, none of us have unique experiences anymore. We're all like everyone has some kind of experience they've shared that they have something in common. That's why there's support groups because everyone, everyone, you know, uh, shares something in common. So um, but it's your personal experience that puts a twist on it that's original to you. That's different for you. You know, so um, I just thought of another another thing we could do for that whole the African guy bit. <laughs> the African guy joke. That was a good one. I like oh, that yeah. premise. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Where you're like, hey, uh, so uh, if What's you're it? taking him out, you're like, oh, uh, so how is it compared to over here? He's like, well, not everybody's so, uh... <laughs> he's talking to you. He's like, not everybody's so gay about things. Everybody's so <laughs> like, uh, I never had a white guy take me out before. <laughs> but the way you compared it to music, that's the way I see a lot of comedy to kind of like rap. You know, because rappers, they got to come up with double entendres. They got to come up with all these metaphors. They got to gotta mix everything together and make it sound good and smart, right? Kind of like comedy in a way. Because I was listening to, have you? I don't know if you listened to the roast of Burt Kreischer. Um, it just came out, but. You, no, I have not. I, I like to, though. I There's a comedian that went on and he told his joke. And I'm like, that's, it just made it flow. And, and the joke goes, it's by Tony Hinchcliffe. He goes. Bert looks like if the Tiger King and the Liver King only ate Burger King and had a liver that looks like Martin Luther King got beaten up by Rodney King. <laughs> and it, obviously, the way Tony says it, it's so That's genius. actually a really good one. And I'm yeah. like... Bert looks like if the Tiger King and the Liver King only ate Burger King and had a liver that looks like Martin Luther King got beat up by Rodney King. Well, Tony's that's, great. That's kind of that's art, you know. Yeah, no, Tony's yeah. great. So, <laughs> that's funny. I think I've actually seen that roast. Yeah, that's a super good one. The roast I thought was too raunchy for me was Pam Anderson's roast. It just got too. I saw that one when I was a kid. I couldn't watch it anymore. I was like, this is too raunchy for me. It's just. Uh, but you know, one of the best, best roasters was uh, Greg Giraldo. He was so. Oh yeah, so funny. I love Greg Jordan's material. His roast, everything was—he was so good. Um, and it's a shame he's rough he, around the edges for sure. He is, and I—I I do love that. I love the just—they don't care. You—it's like Bill Burr, or Tosh. Like they don't care. Um, um, oh, a couple guys I used to do open mics with in Chicago when I lived in Chicago. Uh, T.J. Miller, I knew him. Oh, T.J. Miller, no way. Open mics. <laughs> You watch his stuff, him and then Hannibal Burris. I think Hannibal's fantastic. I love Hannibal Burris. Bro, Hannibal's the best, bro. <laughs> and I would see them. I would, I'd meet, I'd, I'd see them at open mics, and I would like watch them. Like these guys are so good. Like I'd be doing my my garbage jokes, and these guys are just killing it. Um, and then uh, Roy Wood Jr. I worked with him in Grand Rapids, and he's 
He's one of my favorite comics. Roy Wood is so good. He's he's my top ten. Um, if you haven't listened to Roy him, Wood, I haven't you need heard to listen of. to him. Oh, he's, he's so good. Okay. Nice guy too. Super nice guy. It seems like oh, they're all nice guys. It's funny how you know you got like a Daniel Tosh that's up there. And he's like an asshole, but behind the scenes, he's like a nice guy. Yeah, I think the, I think the most most comics are nice. I've met some guys who are assholes, but. Uh, some of them just get too big. They get too big <laughs> to where they're at. Like, there's some comics they have entourages. There's one female comic. She's, I'm not gonna say names, but she has an entourage. She's got a lady just to stretch her shoes the whole time. That's her. There's no way. It's ridiculous. But she's got. She's got a lady who what? But she's got. <laughs> her job is to make sure her shoes That's... are her 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 shoes are stretched when she's not wearing them. Oh, Amy Schumer. No, Amy Schumer. Not Schumer. No, I'm not going to say the name. I'm not going to rat that person out. But, um, but they, they just, <laughs> they, but yeah, they just, they, but that she's got TV money. She's got, you know, albums and that. Another comic I hung out with that was a super nice guy. I'm going to name drop because I'm being a douche. But, um, but su- nice, super nice guy, Joe Coy. Joe Coy was a great guy. Super oh, fun. Joe man. Coy. Yeah, Joe, yeah. Joe Coy is Dude, so his good. His teeth throw me off, man. Oh my god, he went. He, I think he did an hour and a half at the Cincinnati Funny Bone, and man, he was so good. I've seen comics do an hour and fifteen, and people walk out because they're just done. Yeah. Joe Coy, he was just phenomenal. One of the best. Brad Williams, I watched him. You know who Brad Williams is? He's a little. Oh, he's no. a little person. Can't say, oh, you can't yeah, say yeah, midget anymore. Yeah. Brad Williams is one yeah. of the funniest comics I've ever seen. He is so good. I got to check out Brad Williams. I've never heard of him for it's some reason. You got to check dude. It was just on a podcast. Check him out. He's so to. good. What podcast was he on? If we're thinking about the same one, Take Your Shoes Off with Rick Glassman. Okay. Yeah, sometimes I like listening to the podcast versions of comedians because, you know, it's a different style to the jokes they do. Yeah. It's just a different style of funny. Yeah. You know, like I love Theo Vaughn. I love listening to his podcast, but his comedy, I'm like, well, I like the flow of things better when you're talking, getting personal. Well, some people are just better talkers than they are. Like they're better at funnier conversationalists than kind of their material. They work on more of their conversation than their material, I'd say. Yeah, but those guys are gods. Like that Joe Coy or Fluffy, man, that's some next level Fluffy. stuff, man. It's beyond. Those comedy. guys are yeah. like... They're superstars, rock stars, man. If I ever got to a level, I'd be like, did I did I make a deal with the devil? Like, am I, how did I get to right. the level? <laughs> like Kevin Hart? I would I would make a deal with the devil in a <laughs> goddamn minute just to get a, just to start getting rolling. And I tell you, know you Brian Regan is up. He's also my one of my favorite comics, and he talked about how he loves his level of fame because he can do these. He sells out clubs and in theaters. But he can still walk into McDonald's and grab a burger, and just nobody, no one, says anything to him. They just yeah, no. he, he can like <laughs> no. he still has a personal life. But he's he's unusual in that fact that he's one of the few comics that people will yell out bits. He's like a rock star. People want him to do bits. Kind of like the the machine story for Burt Kreischer. Yeah. There's a movie coming out for that, which yes. is insane. But yeah, when it's still, that type of thing that just blows my mind. Just started with the obviously a life experience, turned it into a funny joke, and it's. So well known that it became a movie now. Well, Seinfeld's I got just a movie coming out about day. Pop-Tarts based on a bit he did about Pop-Tarts. He's got a Pop-Tart movie. How they they're, got, you know? they're never fresh. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> yeah. That was a great joke. I remember when he said that. He was like, they can't go back because they never were fresh in the first place. I, I know. And then the party talks about we were like chimps in the dirt. Like just a visualization of, of like 
were like chimps before this whole pop tart. It's, it's incredible. Now, Brian, going back to Brian Regan, he's got a brother, Dennis Regan, who's really funny too, which is crazy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I just found out Chris Rock had a brother. It's like all of these guys he have does? brothers. Yeah. <laughs> he has a bunch of brothers. Yeah. Chris Rock. <laughs> but my favorite brothers are the Wayne brothers. Those guys are God tier. Everything, man. God tier. Movie, TV, comedy, their persona. They're there. It's like they were built. Some people are just built for it. They are. I need to start. I need to start. I, you know what? You're never too late to start comedy. If you want to do comedy, do comedy. But I'm always a, I need to do it. I'm about to do it. Find an open mic. Go called the war of art. Fucking the funny bone has open mics. Would that be a good spot to do it? Like the first time ever. Anywhere. Anywhere. Yep. Open mic. Two guys on this. And here's the thing. When you do comedy for the first time for about, I think for like six months, you can say, or up to a year, you can be like, this is my first time or I'm, I'm, I'm new at this. But when you're very first time, yeah. go up and say, it's my first time doing comedy. You, you're allowed to say that. And the crowds, they're forgiving. Crowds, people are like, oh, I don't want to go. People are going to boo me. Crowds do not boo people because people in the audience say, I can, I can never do that. These guys have balls or this, these women have balls for getting up there doing comedy. It's, it's a brave thing. I mean, with comics, we're a different breed. We're insane. We're all insane people. Um, but if you want to get up, do it. Just say it's your first time because uh, you don't want to you don't want to live your life regretting not doing it. And if it goes great, awesome. If it doesn't go great, very few comics do well the first time they get up. There's a lot of bombing at first. That's how you learn. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, just like anything, if you want to be a musician or literally anything you want to do, yeah, you're going to bomb at first. And yeah. There's this book that I yeah. read. It's, it's The War of Art. I don't know if, you, if you've read that book. No, I want to get it. The Art of War? No, The War of Art. Really, really. Uh, I'll send you the link. It's so good. It's a short book. You can finish it in a couple of hours, but it's just about pretty much whether you want to think about it like angels or muses. If you're an artist, right, whether you want to write music, jokes, a book, you have to treat that art as if you were a professional, you know, wake up every day, write a joke for an hour, whatever you're doing. And then eventually, I mean, it gets a little spiritual towards the end, but it's really good. He starts, the, the author starts talking about how, that muse or angel, however you want to envision it, it's. Have you, hey, let me ask you this: Have you ever done shrooms? <laughs> no, no. Or, no, okay. So when you do shrooms or like the spiritual level, you're in, you're seeing the world in a different way, right? You're in a different way. Sure, you are. What's going on, right? So p- picture that: like you, you keep doing your art, you're doing it every day. Eventually, that angel or muse is gonna tap into you, and that all of these artists always say that I don't know how I came up with this beautiful painting or this beautiful musical piece that i made right this book just explains how you can tap into that but you have to treat whatever you're doing as if you're a professional yeah which is what you've been doing for 20 years yeah make a lot of sacrifices you gotta you gotta get out you gotta write you gotta write every day you gotta learn how to do it um my my advice is wrote the damn book comics you wanna comics you you love listening to just listen to the bits kind of analyze how they go about how the, how the, how it's written out. Just think about how they wrote it out word by word and just figure out, you know, where, and then you can just go from there. You kind of write, you know, when I started, first started doing comedy, it was kind of Jerry Seinfeld-ish. It was like, yeah, what's the deal with whatever. Right. Like, and then I started, you know, and what's it, the deal with me looking Jewish. <laughs> and then here's the thing, like when you do it, the longer you do it, you don't find a voice that finds you. It kind of, you, you start writing in your own style. It, um, it kind of changes without you knowing it. And then one day you're like, Oh, this is how I sound. Now 
half my jokes, I don't like them anyways. That's I'm like, what yeah. I'm going to search for. But, you know, it's... <laughs> yeah. and then I don't even yourself. like myself. I mean, like me. Um, you know, videotape yeah, yourself. Yeah, right? That's how it is. We want to do is like videotape yourself when you get up and then watch how you... Because there was a time I kept looking at the, the floor and a comic's like, tape yourself, watch yourself. Don't... You're looking at the floor. And I didn't yeah. even realize I was looking at the floor. Right. Um, also, every everything I do, every show I do, I do an audio recording. So I can, there might be jokes that popped in that I didn't realize were, that were actually got laughs on this point. And I'll go back and listen to it. And I'm like, oh, I got to put that into the joke because that's something new I can add to, to my comp, to my set. So there's one I do right. about the, you the know what, corner. Next time we meet. What's that? The what? Like I do the, the, corner. the joke about the corner, county corner and how like, I don't understand someone who runs for that. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's so weird. <laughs> Yeah, weirdo. If I say weird, and then I say weirdo, and then people laugh at the weirdo, and that just was like, that happened to be just by accident, but that get that gets laughs. And I, I would that never know if I didn't record it. So, right, that's what Norm Macdonald said too. He says, or wait, um, Jerry Seinfeld said it's not. It's about the word that's funny. It's a use the funny word. Yeah, like the words have to be funny too. Yeah, get, uh, I got a dictionary here that I use to look up words. Like you can substitute certain words and make them better. Um, you know, I just it just I like words. I like vocabulary. I mean, it's um, some words are funnier than others. So. Yeah, but that's the thing with me since English is my first, my second language. There's so many words that I don't know. You know what I mean? I, it's yeah. like I feel like I can count all the words that I know. It's just very limited. So I've been trying to work on that. But it's funnier when you try to explain it. Everybody knows what you're saying, but it's funny when you're trying to explain it. And you're like, ah, oh, whatever. You're like, ah, oh, whatever. That you know what I'm talking about. I think that's funny. But you know, you know what I mean? That that's that's just the thing. But it's it's interesting. But that's what I was gonna say. If we ever meet again, hopefully we can stay in touch, man. You're a great guy. Even you taking your time to do this for the past what 47 minutes exactly. Yeah, that's really nice. For of us, you. that's like I said in the emails, really grateful. And hopefully we meet again, stay in touch, and next time. Will be uh, made comedians. Yeah, you know what? Hey, can I, I open up for you if I start? <laughs> sure, sure. You can do a spot. I'll give you a guess. If spot. I get my god, it's gotta be clean. It's gotta All be right, clean. <laughs> um, listen, I, no, I, I love doing this. Clean. I love, I love talking comedy. I love people who love comedy. You know, it's um, this is fun to get. You know, I, I'm always doing comedy. And I never get to really talk about it unless I'm doing podcasts. So this is a blast. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. No, of course, of course. This is gonna be a great episode, man. And it, listen, once you listen to the audio. Because I know it was hectic at first. I'm going to clean it all up and it's going to sound great. You better. So you won't be scared you to better. share it. Um, share it. <laughs> yeah. I believe yeah. it's going to sound good. We should do this again when everything's a little more cleaner or everything, something like that. Yeah, right? Whenever you're back in sound, do it in verse. Maybe. maybe. Drop me a line. I'd love to do it. It was a lot of fun, man. Well, we got Adam Minnick on the on the podcast, guys. This is for the listeners. Funny guy. Check him out. Big dog. Any, uh, any shows that you're doing or anything you want to shout out? Yeah, um, this Friday, I, I hope you guys can be there. I'm going to be in Janesville, Wisconsin. So I'm expecting you guys to make a drive to Wisconsin. Um, <laughs> and I actually, I have, <laughs> yeah. I have something lined up for Saturday night at, uh, at Zadie's in Chicago downtown. Um, I was going to do a, uh, like an 11 o'clock set. That was, they had an 11 o'clock show. I was going to get on. They booked me for it. Then I realized that Sunday is Easter. And so I, I got to get home. My, oh, son, yeah. my son's yeah. 20 months old, so I got to get home for that. So I'm just doing the Friday gig. I drive up to Wisconsin. It's a nice six-hour drive to Janesville and then do the show. And then the next day, I drive back. So uh, I'm going to hate driving by by the time I get back on on Saturday. But I am doing a set down the street for me on Saturday night uh, at a brewery. So um, just 
I'm doing my al- my album recording end of May, I'm trying to get as many spots as I can to get the uh, get the right the right jokes in and, and make sure it goes well. So, um, and we'll be back at Urban yeah, Winery yeah. in the Do fall. Do you put it all together yourself? What's that? In the fall? Okay. Uh, we'll be at Urban Pine Winery. There was in the two fall. questions in there. Yeah. Urban Pine Winery. You heard it here, guys. Well, hey, it was a pleasure having you on, man. Yeah. And thank you. After that drive from from <laughs> Friday to Saturday, you're gonna. By Sunday, you're going to be like, geez, why couldn't I get crucified? <laughs> jeez. <laughs> I had to say it. <laughs> I'll see you around, man. Hey, guys. Thank Take you. Care, man. Right, see you, buddy. Bye. Yeah. First class, never coach, idiot. Podcast. First class, never coach. Get ready to talk your shit. Ready to talk your okay. First things first, I'm getting high tonight. First class on this flight, some idiots to start a fight. On sight, on the mic, ice in my veins, never slipping in a slight. If I slide right, price, have to put them in some rice. Sunrise to sunset, please don't antagonize. Have to slap you, talking grease, especially if it's about my wife. Hold up, uh, come on, start total. When we start running the summer, hit the ground with this promo. When the club moving slow mo, but I run each trash like Flojo. Studios, my dojo, though I can't. For no photos, Raphael, Sergio, I need all three amigos. Take off like torpedoes, how this coming out Toledo. Glass City, never throw the stone and hide your hands. You might just get a mention on the program. Get with the program. Don't slide in the DM when you see them on the homepage. Now you wanna beat them. First class, never coach. Itty us, podcast. First class, never coach. Get ready to talk your sh- ready to talk your sh- ready to talk your sh-